How you going, guys? My on? Yep, there we go. Doing all right? Nice warm day today. Hope it was a good one. Um, now, keep that sheet. You got that sheet? That's the passage we're looking at. Nice, short story. Um, keep that open. On the other side of that, it's a bit of an outline you can follow if you'd like. I want to ask you a question. When was the last time that you considered this question? You had this thought, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Think about this. You're about to walk into an interview room. You're about to open a door and face a panel of people, experts about to question you, to ask you the hard questions, about to look you in the eye and you think to yourself, am I good enough? It's the big day, it's the big day that the university entrance offers come out and you sit down in front of your laptop, you take a deep breath, you log in and you wait for it to appear and you think, man, my whole life is before me, like it hinges on this result. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? There was a time in my life that I was desperate to be good enough, uh, many times in fact, but one time um, that I was desperate for approval, desperate to be... um, to be loved, and that was when I met my wife, Kristen. Let me explain a story. Uh, we met on a Christian camp, um, and from the moment I saw her, I was, I was bowled over. Uh, I was like, that girl, I'm going to marry that girl. Um, but there's, there's a few problems. Here, here's the problem. Um, she was 18, and I was 16. That's one problem. Uh, she was starting uni. I just finished year 10. Like, a bit of a gap there. Um, she was a, a stunner, still is. Um, I had a head full of dreadlocks. Um, she was from upper middle class uh, Oatley, and I was born and raised Mount Druitt. That's a bit of a problem too. If you don't know where Mount Druitt is, you need to watch the news a bit more. Um, <laughs> but the odds were stacked against me. But all I wanted to do, all I wanted to do was win her approval. All I could think about is how do I get her approval? How do I get her to accept me? How do I win her heart? That's all I wanted. Now, it might look different in different circumstances and different cultures, But every single one of us want to be approved, want to be accepted. We're longing for that. I'm told that in Japan, uh, when a man loses his job, he doesn't tell his family. In fact, the next day he gets dressed for work and he'll travel in like he was going to work and he'll go and search for jobs, search for work. Uh, And he'll do that every single day until he finds a new job. Or if he can't, at one point he just won't come home. Because the shame of being unemployed, the shame of not being approved by his family, the cultural expectation that goes along with that is too much. It's too much. Because we all long to be good enough. All of us have that need for acceptance, for approval. And we look for it everywhere. We look for it everywhere. But here's the thing. Jesus says there's a more important question than being good enough for a job or for a person or even meeting a cultural expectation. Jesus says, the more important question is this. Am I good enough for God? Now, what does that even mean? How do we begin to unpack that question? Well, today, in that story we had, uh, we've got it on that sheet in front of us. Jesus is answering that very question. And he's very clear. He says there's two options. One right and one wrong. And they're represented by two different men. So keep that sheet open in front of you. And we're going to dive into it. Have a look at verse 10 with me. And it says this, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Two men, they go to this temple in Jerusalem. The Jerusalem, the temple is the highest point in the city. It's on a hill. Why do people go to the temple? They go there to meet God. Now, the first thing we need to realize is these two men who are going to meet God are totally different. They're totally opposite. You couldn't get any more opposite people. 
their opposite careers, they're opposite in their social groups, in their reputations, in their culture, in their religious behavior. These guys are opposites. There's nothing alike here. And we need to dive in a little bit to push and understand what is it about these guys? Who are these guys? So we can understand the point Jesus is making. So let's meet them. We meet the first guy. He's a Pharisee. A Pharisee is a good man. He's a good man. Extremely religious. Equivalent to a minister, a pastor, a priest. You know, for the temple, this guy is in his, in, he's in his element. He loves the temple. He's there every, every second day. He's a disciplined, serious guy. And he's serious about obeying God. His devotion would put me to shame. It'd put you to shame. He's a good guy. He's someone who keeps God's laws. And people respect him. They listen to him. This is a good man. And he comes to the temple and he goes, have a look, goes into a separate place with his eyes to heaven. He prays, nothing out of the ordinary here. Verse 11, he says, God, I thank you that I'm, I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, not even like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I've got. And I, he's thanking God for it. He's looking at his life and he's thanking God for it. He's thinking about God. And he thanks God that what he's not like these other people. And he's right. He's a good guy and these guys are not. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. He's right about the tax collector too. He's the kind of guy you'd want your daughter to marry. He's got his life. It's clean. It's in order. He'd fit right into most of our churches. You know, he'd probably get an academic scholarship to the GPS school in your area. And you notice those extra things it says he does. He fasts and he tithes. Which means that when it comes to God's law, this guy goes above and beyond. They say there's two things that are most important to a man. One is his belly. Guys like food, right? The other is his wallet. Well, fasting and tithing, this guy is devout in both accounts. This guy is serious. He's a good man. You cannot fault this guy. Okay, that's guy number one. Then we meet the other guy. And he's a tax collector. And he is a bad man. But this guy goes up to the temple to pray too. And this is actually unexpected for us. In fact, it's shocking. And we should be shocked. And we would be shocked if we were standing in the, in the group with Jesus hearing him say this story. It's kind of like, you know, the New South Wales origin coach going into the Queensland locker room to celebrate with them straight after the win. It doesn't, that, that doesn't make sense. It's a massive misfit. This is a misfit and it's shocking. <clears throat> and to see why it's so shocking, well... There's not a simple equivalent for a tax collector in our society. Like, we're not talking the ATO. No, no. Take it easy on those guys. Uh, This is way more serious than that because this guy, he collects taxes, yeah. He's a Jew who collects taxes from his own people, the Jews, to give to, get this, the occupying Roman army. Just think about that. He goes around taking money from people he grew up with, people he probably used to play at their house, you know, people who knew him as a child went to school with, and he takes their money, making them poor, and giving it to the Romans. And he's become filthy rich doing it. There's no simple equivalent for that role in our society. Maybe we could think of, you know, a drug kingpin who's making people's lives horrible and getting rich doing it. Maybe a corrupt politician. Uh, Maybe human traffickers. Nobody liked this guy. He's dogged his own people. He's a traitor. No one trusts him. You wouldn't trust him. I wouldn't trust him. Everyone hates him. He's scum. He's driven by greed and self-interest. And he betrays his own people in broad daylight. In broad daylight. So when Jesus says, all right, there's two men that go up to the 
to the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee, the other is a tax collector. When we hear the word tax collector, people would have clenched their fists. They would have been angry. There's meant to be a reaction. In verse 10, there's two men, a Pharisee and a tax collector, and you're meant to feel it. You're meant to feel respect and disdain. You're meant to be angry when you hear that there's a tax collector going up to the temple. Now, that's our two men. Let's have a look what happens next with this tax collector. Now, the same time this Pharisee is in the temple here and he's praying, the, the tax collector has also come to, to pray. And we see his prayer in verse 13. It says this, But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breasts and he said this, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, it's a different prayer, definitely a different prayer. He doesn't say much at all. He's in a different place in the temple. He takes a different posture and he simply says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. All right, two guys pray in a temple. What's going to happen next, Jesus? Who will be accepted? Who will be accepted? In every generation, there's people who rise to the top in their industry, in their field, as experts, as, as really achieving a level of greatness, whether it's sport, whether it's film, whether it's music, and they become great. Now, Madonna is one of those people. Now, I don't know how much you know about Madonna, but I do know that you know Madonna. Why? She's the queen of pop. Her career has spanned multiple generations. You're Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. We all know who Madonna is. And let me tell you a little bit what, why Madonna is so exceptional. Here are some of her achievements. She's sold more than 300 million records. Wow, that's a lot. She's got the Guinness World Record of the, being the best-selling female music artist of all time. That's big. She's the highest-grossing solo touring artist of all time. Seven Grammy Awards, 20 MTV Music Video Awards, more number one hits than anyone else in, her, anyone else in history. And after all of that, that's huge, right? In terms of success, that is greatness. After all of that, she's been at the very top. Listen to what she says as she reflects on herself. She says this, <clears throat> My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. She keeps going, I push past one spell of it and discover myself to be a special human being. But then I feel I'm still mediocre and un- uninteresting unless I do something else. She says, because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. Can you hear what she's saying? She's saying, after everything I've done, I still haven't got the approval, the acceptance that I was created for. She says, I still have to prove that I am somebody. Her life is a a restless struggle to prove to herself that she's good enough, to meet her own standards. Now, why is that? Why does Madonna reflect like that? Well, because Madonna and every single one of us was made for the approval, the acceptance of God alone, relationship with God alone. And her achievements, they can't bring bring her what she's longing for. And where is she? Well, she's still searching. She's still searching. And despite all her success, she's just like us, just like our two men in this story who go to meet God in a temple looking for his approval. And that's where they are. They're standing in the temple 
praying to him, looking for his acceptance, looking in the temple, in the place of God's justice and his mercy, in his, his presence. Two different men, opposite lives. One's impressive and good, the other's evil. So, what will God's verdict be of these two men? What I want to do is point out to you four shocking things, four shocking twists in this story that Jesus tells us. Now, the thing about Jesus is he shocks people. He polarizes people. He, he disrupts the status quo and he flips things on their, on their head. And when you understand what Jesus is talking about, it'll change your life as well. It'll change your life forever. Now, these four twists are things that Jesus says and does that are absolutely shocking and controversial, but they change everything in this story. And twist number one is this. The tax collector is accepted by God. Look at verse 14. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. What just happened? Are we reading the right thing here? Double check that. It says the tax collector not the Pharisee, is justified before God. Justified means in right relationship, accepted by God. Now how? How can that be? How can it be that this guy, this evil guy, is accepted? Well, it's all about the words in verse 14, exalt and humble. Being boastful or being honest. Being humble doesn't mean you talk yourself down, it means representing reality honestly, warts and all being honest about yourself. That's twist number one. Twist number two is this. Jesus says on the inside, these two guys are exactly the same. They look very different on the outside. But on the inside, they look exactly the same. So what is Jesus saying with this story? Jesus is saying that whilst on the outside, these guys look very different. One is very spiritually impressive. On the inside, they're the same. They're both sinners. That's what's the same about them. What's sin? Well, sin's pretty simple. It's rejecting the God who created you. That's what sin is. So it doesn't matter how much you polish the outside. You can take a toilet, polish it up. It's still a toilet, right? It doesn't matter what you do to the outside. The inside condition of both these men is exactly the same. And that's a big problem. Because the consequence of sin is that it separates us from God. That's a huge problem. Because when we choose to reject God, we make ourselves his enemies. And God's justice demands punishment. But, okay, both these guys are the same on the inside. How does that, that still doesn't explain why the tax collector is justified, right? He's, he's honest about his sin, but it's not dealt with, it's still there. Even though he admits it, it's still separating him from God, right? If he still deserves punishment, how can he be accepted? Twist number three is what Jesus says about himself. And just the page over, if you've got a Bible, you could flick it to the page over and you'd see in this, this verse, and uh, sorry, Luke 19 verse 10, Jesus tells us his mission statement. It's on the screen. Jesus says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to find and to save those who are lost. And just a few days after saying these words, Jesus would be killed on a Roman cross. He'd take the punishment our sins deserve. Because Jesus' purpose was to come and to save sinners. To find lost sinners and save them. 
Now, actually, there's a, a third, uh, sorry, a fourth shocking uh, twist. And for that one, we need to look back at our passage. Twist number four. Look back at chapter 18, verse 9, the first uh, verse on your handout. And let's have a look who Jesus is speaking to. It says this. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. You know what? Jesus is speaking to us. It's you and me. A crowd of people confident in themselves. And aren't we just like that as Australians? In modern Australia, I think this looks like for us two different things. It it presents in two different ways. And the first is the religious approach, a bit like our Pharisee. It's the approach that says, I'm good enough for God. I can meet the criteria. I can live a pretty good life. I can meet the expectations and I'm better than others. I'm better than others. That's, that's like our Pharisee. But I think the more popular one is the irreligious approach. And it says something like this, I don't need God, it's not for me. So I can reject God and that's, that's all cool. It's not an issue. But this irreligious approach is just another way to say the same thing as the religious approach. Because the person who says, I'm good enough, or the person who says, there's no issue here, I'm good, they're both saying, I've got this. I don't need God. I've got this. I don't need help. They're both saying the same thing. So how do we be good enough? How do we be accepted by God? Well, the answer is in front of us. The answer is in the words of that tax collector. He says one thing, the whole story, one thing, one short sentence. And this is what he says. Let me remind you. He says, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. What he's saying is this, God, pay for my sin. Take away my sin because I can't deal with it. And that's the key difference between these two men. The key difference is this, they both have the same problem, but the difference is how they deal with their problem of sin. And one of those men went home freed from the burden of his sin, in right relationship with God, accepted by his creator, the God who made him. But how does God deal with human sin? How does he actually do that? Like my sin? Like your sin? The answer is through his son, Jesus Christ, who pays the penalty of our sin on the cross. And the cry of that tax collector, God have mercy on me, the sinner, is the cry that each of us need to make to God. Religious, irreligious. It doesn't matter. So what about you? Jesus tells this story to you, that you would cry out to him, cry out to him for forgiveness, because he is merciful. Now, some of you I know are already followers of Jesus, that's wonderful, and you need to understand that your place before God hasn't changed, and it never will. We come to Jesus crying to him for mercy, and we live every day of our lives turning to him in repentance And asking and trusting him for mercy. Trusting that he has forgiven you. We are the tax collector. We are tax collectors, but we are forgiven. And you can be confident that Jesus has dealt with your sin once and for all. And that's a wonderful thing. Past, present, future. You are accepted by God in right relationship with him. And that's a permanent thing because of Jesus. So that's awesome. If that's you, that's awesome. Don't forget it. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, this is the Christian message. 
Come to God and don't wait. Come to him today and don't wait. Come and be accepted by him. Be welcomed by him. Not based on anything you've done, but based on his mercy and his power to deal with your sin, which he does on the cross. So are you good enough for God? Am I good enough for God? No, I'm not. And you're not either. But the good news is, you don't have to be. That is exactly why God sent his son, Jesus, to the world. Now, as uh, Pat and Jess said, if you want to find out more about uh, the God who forgives us freely, if you have any questions, comments, reflections, requests for prayer, you want to speak to a pastor, that QR code on your outline there, that's the thing to scan. Let us know. Uh, We'd love to connect with you. And I just want to plug again, Christian Explored. I love Christian Explored. It's a great course. I've done it many times, and I get something out of it every time. I'm going to be doing that course, and I really want to invite you, if you have questions about Jesus, or want to think about this more, you want to ask some questions, do that course. It'll be a good time together, a casual environment. You can ask any question. You won't be asked to pray or read out loud. Uh, You can bring a friend if you want. And it's a great environment for you to explore who Jesus is and what he says about himself. I'm going to close our time together by praying, and I invite you to pray along with me as I do that. Let's talk to God. Father God, thank you that we don't need to approach you based on a life of good works, religious deeds, or anything else within us, but that we can cry to you for mercy. Thanks that even though none of us are good enough for you, Jesus has paid for our sin in full. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room tonight wondering if Jesus can forgive them, I pray that you would make your offer of real and lasting forgiveness so clear to them tonight. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing. We're going to respond to God and his offer to us of forgiveness. And then we're going to hear uh, from Dan, uh, one of our members, about the way that God's, uh, he's accepted God's offer of forgiveness and the way God's worked in his life. Please stand.